KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall, your source for classical music here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, your hometown radio station from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Now please sit back, relax, and enjoy, as we have the privilege of taking you back in time for this next hour, right here in our very own little concert hall. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturge, and I hope everyone is having a wonderful evening so far. If you're joining us tonight, tonight we are talking about the sweet Appalachian Spring, or Appalachian Spring, rather. You know, this is, believe it or not, this is one of the pieces I know I really have come to love just lately, within the last two years. I didn't know much about it, and then I was fortunate enough to be working up north, and uh, I was working at a summer camp for music, and the orchestra at the time was performing the suite, and it just, oh, it's a beautiful piece of music, and I'm so excited to be sharing it with you tonight. Now, the piece we're looking at, Appalachian Spring, is a very long piece. Unlike other suites, this suite is not really broken down into different little movements. Copeland, the composer, whenever he was talking about the suite, he was talking about the form, and he said it's divided into eight sections, but they're not really, um, the only thing that divides the sections is the tempo, really. So you have section one, which he calls the very slow, very slow um, section, and he um, he commented saying, it was introduction of the characters, one by one, is sufficient light. What most don't know about Appalachian Spring is that it was written in 1942 for the Martha Graham Dance Company. Uh, it, she wanted Copeland to compose, you know, a ballet, ballet music for her ballet with an American theme. And Copeland did the bulk of the work in 1943-44. And eventually, in, you know, October of 44, they premiered the piece at the Library of Congress with Martha Graham playing the lead role. Originally, he didn't really have a name for this score. He just called it the Ballet for Martha. You know, simple title, and she didn't really like it, <laughs> as most wouldn't. You know, it's, it's too simple. So Martha Graham looked at this, and she listened to the piece, and just listened and listened and listened. And within the within this suite, there's the old shaker tune, uh, Simple Gifts, or some note is Lord of the Dance. It's this beautiful little hymn melody, and Copeland places it throughout the entire work. But um, Martha Graham, when she was listening to this piece, it reminded her of a poem. Um, it was a poem by Hart Crane, the poem of the dance. It's from his book, The Bridge. And the poem goes, Oh, Appalachian Spring, 
I gained the ledge, steep and accessible smile that eastward bends and northward reaches in that violet wedge of the Adirondacks. Now, Appalachian Spring, in this case, is not talking about the season. It's talking about like a spring for water, where this new water comes bubbling forth. But, you know, a lot of people, when they think of Appalachian Spring, don't, don't think of that. They're thinking of the season spring, and actually several, several times Copeland was later <coughs> Copeland was later addressed about this piece, and people would come up to him and say, oh, this piece just envisions America and envisions this part of the world in the Appalachian Mountains. And Copeland always commented, saying that he just giggled when he heard this, because when he wrote the piece, he wasn't writing it about the Appalachian Mountains. He didn't even have it in his mind. He was just writing this musical piece that he just, it came into his mind and he, he just loved it. You know, like I said, his, the original title for it was Ballet for Martha. So <laughs> to have it be called the Appalachian Spring and then have people tell him, oh, well, it just perfectly embodies this part of the world. It's, it's such an interesting thing, especially since the Shaker culture really isn't associated with the Appalachian Mountains. You know, when we think of the Appalachian Mountains, we think of, you know, Kentucky's, Carolinas, that long mountain mountain strand there from about the southern part of, no, sorry, the northern part of Florida on up. But, you know, the Shakers were primarily in the Dutch part of the East Coast, you know, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Maine, that area. So this is, it's interesting to see that, you know, people would feel this embodies the Appalachian culture. Now, I mentioned that there's the tune Simple Gifts that Copeland toys with and does his theme and variations on throughout this suite. It's one of my more favorite hymn tunes, really, and I was able to find a really good recording for tonight that I would like to share with y'all before we start Simple Gifts, just to let you hear what this, this theme, this melody is that he's going to be toying with. So before I really go into much more detail about Appalachian Spring, I want, I want you all to be able to hear this tune, this Simple Gifts hymn, as you know, Copeland would have heard it. Well, maybe not exactly as Copeland would have heard it. This is a larger orchestration done by the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. But it gives you an idea of just how beautiful and how simple this tune really is. So I hope you all enjoy this bit of Simple Gifts by the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Yourself in the place of fire to be in the cool of the bird. 
Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for sticking with us tonight with From the Concert Hall. Tonight we are looking at Aaron Copeland's Appalachian Spring. What you just heard, if you've been listening with us, was the Shaker hymn tune, Simple Gifts, or as some people know it, Lord of the Dance. There's many variations on the text, like with any hymn, but it's a very simple, very rhythmic, and very, in my mind, just very catchy hymn tune that Copeland kind of fell in love with in his travels, and he used this as kind of his point of inspiration for his Appalachian Spring. Now, before we play the Appalachian Spring tonight, it's important to know how this arrangement came to be because the arrangement we're going to be listening to tonight is a the full orchestration, when originally Appalachian Spring was not written for full orchestra. You know, in 42, when Martha Graham, you know, commissioned this piece by Copeland, you know, Copeland wrote it just for a 13-instrument 13, 13 chamber orchestra. You know, it wasn't going to be this huge thing. It was just to accompany, you know, the ballet. But, you know, with the original score of 13 instruments, you know, the present arrangement, the present orchestral arrangement that comes about started in about 1945 when people started requesting, you know, a an orchestral arrangement. So Copeland took, you know, his ballet and condensed it. He took out the parts that he felt were, you know, more emphasized towards choreography and less about the music. So we lost about 10 minutes of music when Copeland did this. Uh, Later, later, about 1954, Eugene Ormandy with the Boston Symphony Orchestra asked Copeland to expand the orchestration back to the full score of the ballet. And so in 1972, Boosley and Hawks published a version of the suite fusing the structure of it with the scoring of the original ballet, which doubled the string quartet, the bass, the flutes, the clarinets, the bassoons, and the piano. And that's how we get this version that you're going to be hearing tonight, which is the full orchestration. Eventually, that was recorded into what we have tonight, and it just really is this beautiful, beautiful little suite. Like I said, it's it's divided into eight different sections. You know, with a lot of suites, like I said, we see you know different uh, movements within the suite. We don't have that with Appalachian Spring. We just have these eight different themes and eight different little areas within the music where you know, the music drastically changes. It doesn't, it's not made to stop. It just keeps going. That I mean, that's how it would work for the ballet. So, you know, our first move, our first movement is what Copeland calls very slow. <laughs> and it's an introduction of the characters one by one in suffused light, as Copeland puts it. Our movement two is the fast or allegro movement. And it's a sudden burst of unison strings and A major arpeggios that starts the section. And a sentient, both elated and religious, gives the keynote of the scene that he's trying to convey here. We move on to the movement three, which is the moderate or the moderato. And it's a duo for the bridge, I'm sorry, for the bride and her intended husband. And it's really just a scene of tenderness and passion. So then we move to the fourth movement, which is quite fast. And it's a revivalist and his flock. 
It's this folksy feeling and suggests square dances and country fiddlers. So revivalist here being like a, a backwoods preacher, perhaps, would be a good comparison. So we go to movement five, which is still faster, or Subito Allegro. And it's a solo dance for the bride and the presentation of motherhood. Extremes of joy and fear and wonder are what Copeland's trying to convey in this movement. Now to take a step back, we move to movement six, and it's very slow, or at least in the beginning. And it's a transition scene, and it's supposed to remind you of the introduction of the piece. Then we move to movement seven, and it's called Calm and Flowing. And this is scenes of daily activity for the bride and her farmer husband. There are five variations of this shaker theme, the simple gifts theme. And in it, you'll hear it with solo clarinet. If you listen, when you're listening to the piece, it's not going to necessarily be actually just the clarinet playing. While it may be in some orchestrations, what you'll hear is the clarinet play above the orchestra, or sometimes the oboe will have it. It's going to switch between instruments throughout the piece. <coughs> and then we get to the last movement, the, moder the moderato, or the coda moderato. And this is where the bride takes her place among her neighbors. And at the end, the couple are left just quiet and strong in their new house. Muted strings intone a hushed prayer-like choral passage. And the close is reminiscent of the opening. So at the very end, it's made to go back and remind you of the very beginning of the ballet, the opening movement, which was you know the very slow movement. So you know a bit of backstory about the ballet itself before we start. The story of the ballet tells of a spring celebration of the American pioneers of the 19th century after building this new Pennsylvanian farmhouse. Among the central characters are a bride, a groom, a pioneer woman, a preacher, and his congregation. The LA Times provides this concise summary of the story and its transitions between the choreograph sequences, stating, The ballet is a simple story. A young farm couple it on their lives before getting married and setting up a house in the wilderness. A literate preacher delivers a sermon. An older pioneer woman oversees the events with sympathy and wisdom. The newlyweds muse on their future as night falls. In the course of the dance, Graham, Martha Graham, this is talking about the original performance, of course, reveals the inner lives of the four principal characters, wife, husband, man, pioneer woman, and preacher. She shows that the couple will face a future that will not be all sweetness and light, but she also draws out the private and shared emotional resources that they will be able to bring to the challenges, such as the power of Graham's Im images. However, it is very particular story broadens out to become a parable about Americans conquering a new land. So while this particular ballet is just looking at this one family, what what it really is trying to encompass is the American dream itself which is going out and just starting a life for yourself especially during the 19th century this was, I mean things were still new we were still you know settling different parts of the country we did this all the way through parts of the 20th century in the Dust Bowl so hopefully as we listen to Appalachian Spring by Aaron Copeland You'll hear these elements. You'll hear these different movements, these eight different movements. And you'll hear, as we get to movement seven, this kind of joyous shaker tune that we talked about before, the simple gifts, the Lord of the Dance.
So I hope you enjoy as we look at Appalachian Spring by Aaron Copeland.
Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I hope you just enjoyed the Appalachian Spring Suite we just played for you. As a special treat tonight from the Concert Hall, we've got a caller in to talk about his opinion of Appalachian Spring. Good evening, caller. How are you? Hello, this is David Turner calling in from Union, New Jersey. And uh, that was absolutely gorgeous. And it's great to be listening from this far away and tuning right in through the Internet. Well, we're so glad you could join us tonight. It means so much for us to to hear back from our audience and to know that you're enjoying what we're playing for you. Very much so. I, I did have a question or two, if I can. Certainly, yes. If you got time for that. Um, first, I, I was just curious. Um, I didn't see on the website, at least the webpage that I'm on, um, who actually is playing this um, this particular piece, this Appalachian Spring. What orchestra? I want you to know? Sa- I want to say this recording in particular was done with the Boston Symphony Orchestra. Uh huh. I may be a bit wrong. Let me check here. Yes, this is the Boston Symphony Orchestra. Boston Symphony Orchestra. And I guess a a somewhat broader question just occurred to me while I was on hold, which was, um, if you can say in a nutshell, how how do you decide what you're uh, going to play and put on the air on your program? That is a great question. Um, The best answer we can give for that There's actually a a great team of people who work with me on this show. Sometimes I have multiple co-hosts on the air with me. And we meet throughout, you know, the seasons while we're on the air and while we're off the air through the summer and the winter. And we're planning seasons months in advance. Wow. It's just kind of luck of the draw what makes it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am thoroughly enjoying your show, and I just wanted to call in and and say um, thanks for the music. Well, thanks for thanks for letting us know, and we hope you'll enjoy what we keep bringing to you tonight. Absolutely, looking forward to it. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you. We hope you'll stick with us. Tonight was David from New Jersey. Now, to continue off the show tonight, first of all, David, thank you for calling in. We appreciate your feedback, and to all of our listeners out there, you know. We appreciate you, and we just want to remind you that we do this show for you. Now, up next on the show, we're going to give you a bit of a sneak preview for what's next week on the show. You know, David asked that great question, how do we decide what we're going to put on the show? And, you know, this season we're looking at orchestral suites or suites of music. And we kind of put together our own little suite next week. We call it Essential Gershwin. You know, I have this innate love for all kinds of music, and, you know, myself and my co-host, we we love Gershwin. We love Gershwin a lot. So we found some of the essential Gershwin songs, and we're doing a mashup next week to make our own little suite of Gershwin. So to give y'all kind of a sneak preview, we're going to be looking at I Got Rhythm Tonight. This performance will be by the Dorsey Brothers, so I hope you enjoy. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. If you've been joining us tonight, you have heard you know, the Shaker hymn tune Lord of the Dance or Simple Gifts before we transitioned into the much larger suite that was the main course for tonight, you know, speaking as if this were a dinner, but the Appalachian Spring Suite in which we saw that Shaker hymn tune from earlier get used towards the end of the suite has this set of variations that are just this beautiful 7th and 8th movement. And then, you know, of course, we just gave you a little sneak preview into next week's topic on Gershwin with I Got Rhythm as performed by the Dorsey Brothers. But this, you know, so much to look at in so little time in a season, really it is. But just to give you a little bit of backstory on I Got Rhythm before next week. Of course, we'll give you a lot more information next week. But to give you a bit of backstory now, I Got Rhythm is a piece composed by George Gershwin with lyrics by Ira Gershwin. And it was published in 1930. And it later became a popular jazz standard, but it was originally for his musical Girl Crazy, which later or now is known as Crazy for You. It's the adaptation on Girl Crazy. You know, Girl Crazy also featured two other hit songs, Embraceable You and But Not For You, For Me. You know, wonderful, wonderful musical. I mean, I love it. I've worked in it several times. But this song, I Got Rhythm, this song has become symbolic of the Gershwins of swing of the 1920s. Like we heard later, this is this soon became a very popular jazz standard. It was played everywhere. And, you know, it's a very easy AABA format for work in songs. So it really, really helped to create this style and, you know, better refine it and bring it to a wider audience. And actually, on an interesting note, the chord progression or the rhythm changes that is the foundation of this popular jazz tune helped people like Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie, Dizzy Gillespie's Bebop Standard Anthropology, or Thriving on a Rift. So, little interesting note, they took, I got rhythm, took the chord progressions from it, and used that to help them compose music for themselves later. You know, it's great. What people don't realize about music, you know, we have all these, these crazy copyright laws, but musicians from the dawn of music from the have borrowed from one another and in the early days this was a way to show respect among your musicians that you respected someone's music so much that you wanted to use it in your own works i mean just it's this beautiful thing that you know we still have bits of it going on today and it's one of those weird quirky things that if you aren't in music you just don't view it the way other people do and you know copyright doesn't always help <laughs> And sometimes it isn't with the best intent, but what can you do? Well, if you did just join us tonight, you know, I hate to say it, we've come to the end of our hour, the end of another week's show. If you missed the show and you want to come back and listen to it later, you can always find us podcasted on iTunes and on SoundCloud. If you search for the show title from the concert hall, you can find us. Just look for the little golden logo with the quartet of four-string players in the center. You should be able to find us pretty easy. 
We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash from the concert hall. You can find us really. And if you want to keep up with the station, the station just launched their new Facebook page this week. If you look for facebook.com forward slash KUOZ 105, you'll find us real easy. You can keep up with not only from the concert hall, but other shows we have here on KUOZ that we produce, like the evening sports dish or other shows that we produce at a national level, like the Mayo Clinic Medical Edge that we air here and Democracy Now!, which is a wonderful, wonderful news program out out from the um, West Coast. We play a lot of wonderful things here on KUOZ, and it's a great privilege to be a part of this station. So we we invite you to, you know, call us, email us, like us on Facebook, send us messages, bother us all day long with what you want to hear, because we're going to listen, and we're going to take that into account, and it helps us make our shows for the future seasons. Like I've said, almost every show now, you know, we're here for you, the listener. So we look forward to hearing from you. And thank you, David, our listener tonight, who called in and gave us his thoughts on Appalachian Spring and asked a couple questions. It's always nice to have questions. So, as always, I wish everyone a wonderful night and a happy evening. We hope you'll join us again next week on From the Concert Hall when we talk about the music of Gershwin. And until then, we leave you with this wonderful evening of classical programming. Enjoy. Enjoy.